Resilience and leadership are the ultimate 21st century buzzwords when it comes to careers. Leadership is probably the rarest quality in the world of work, yet the most sought after. The pendulum has long shifted to this intangible quality being a necessity at senior levels rather than a desirable. In fact, whether we're a university graduate, a supervisor or an executive, we're all supposed to be leaders these days. And we're not supposed to be just a run-of-the-mill leader, we're supposed to be a resilient leader. Now, let's assume that you have put in the hard yards to develop your resilient leadership. What a pity then, if you're not able to convince a prospective employer that you could play a significant leadership role in their organisation. Welcome to Career Chinwags for the 21st Century. I'm a career practitioner who's worked with thousands of clients over the past 20 years, so I've had quite a bit of time to think about career things. Each fortnight I pick up on an issue that takes my fancy. Some are really practical, like episode four, where I give you, I think, some interesting advice about how to prepare for a Zoom job interview. And other episodes tend to cover more big picture topics, such as podcast 15, where I encourage anyone who ever has to recruit anybody to try and see the world from the candidate's point of view, because if you don't, you're likely to miss out on excellent employees. In today's episode, I'm going to cover five critical elements of resilient leadership. And then I'm going to give you a tip for each element as to how you could convince an employer that you have one of these five elements that make up resilient leadership. Number one is resilient leaders are visionary. I think that's an obvious requirement and you may think that you can easily tell this quality in an interview, for example. So let's try this sample interview question. You get to the interview and you're halfway through and the interviewer says, define leadership. Could you provide a compelling answer to this question? Could you then go on to give an example of where you have demonstrated this visionary leadership? So tip number one, expand your understanding of leadership. In an interview, you'll be expected to have a clear understanding of leadership and of vision. And as I said earlier, you'll be expected to give evidence of your leadership. Now, I have never met an executive yet who can, off the top of their head, give a definition of leadership. So the first step is for you to do your thinking. As I'm going to talk about in a later blog, I started with very poor leadership skills and I often say I'm just not a natural leader. I then spent 10 years reading Harvard Business Review from cover to cover. I'm not sure how much of that information translated into improving my leadership ability, but I know I can talk the talk at least. So you need to check that you can talk the talk. And as I said earlier, once you've answered the question, make sure you go on and give a specific example. This is a big ticket item and you'll need to give a compelling answer. Once you've developed your script, this is one of those times where you need to check it out with somebody whose opinion you trust. The second quality of a resilient leader is to be influential. Most definitions of leadership contain an assessment of the ability of the leader to influence others, to get people to come on board with their ideas. Now, in an interview... It's going to be pretty hard for you to convince an employer that you have the ability to influence others if you are not verbally fluent. Many, many years ago when I first went overseas, I can remember having a political discussion with a group of French people in French. 
We were arguing about whether France should be testing nuclear weapons in the Pacific. I was convinced that my argument was correct. But I also knew that on that occasion, I lost the battle. My French language skills were not strong enough to carry the day. Ask yourself whether you have language skills that are attractive and nuanced enough to influence people. So tip number two is to check your language. English is a funny old language. I checked and as at 2014, there were 1.025 million words that we could choose from. Now that's a lot of words. And what it means is this allows you to choose a precise word to convey exactly what it is you want to convey. Yet, and if you know your history, you'll know it's because in 1066, William the Conqueror invaded England. There are also 5,000 words in English where you could choose to use a normal everyday Anglo-Saxon word, or you can think that it's appropriate to use a Latin-based word. So you can buy a car, or you can purchase a car. They both mean the same thing. What we want in an interview, and I'd argue in everyday life, is for you to choose the Anglo-Saxon word. So for these 5,000 words, you use normal coffee shop talk. Your challenge is to decide when to use the natural everyday Anglo-Saxon word and when to use one of those other million plus words that will allow you to be nuanced, precise and persuasive. The third element of a resilient leader is to be self-aware. One of the key components of the emotional intelligence aspect of leadership is having a clear knowledge of your personality, including strengths, weaknesses, beliefs, motivation, and emotions. This self-awareness allows you to understand other people and how they perceive you and your attitude and your responses to them in the moment. In an interview, I think the default position of the prospective employer is to unconsciously presume that you do possess self-awareness unless you do something that raises doubts. So your job in an interview is to actually avoid raising any doubts about your level of self-awareness. So tip number three is to see the world from the buyer's seat. Let's say one of the questions is, why are you leaving your current job? And you reply honestly saying, my manager and I don't see eye to eye about the strategic direction of the business and I think she's too operational. The normal conclusion from the person sitting opposite you, who would be your future boss by the way, is that you have a problem with your manager and that you'd possibly say the same thing about her in six months' time. And very few prospective bosses like the thought of that. Now, even if you have the common sense not to make such a comment, do you analyse what it is that a prospective employer is likely to be worried about in relation to you and then do you deal with it? Your future boss may never and, in fact, is highly unlikely to specifically voice these concerns in the interview, but that does not mean he is not mulling over it. It's your job to cover off on these issues and turn them into non-issues. I regularly find that my clients will say things when we're practicing interviews that would worry an employer. It is very common. And so I think this is a very serious issue for you to tackle, and I, I think here the only way to check this is for you to do at least two hours of interview skills practice 
with somebody who's paid to listen to you and obviously somebody who's good because I don't think your friends will do it. Your friends are not likely to sit down and drill you about a broad range of issues such that it will become noticeable whether or not you're saying things that are perhaps a bit unwise. The bottom line is I think this time you have to go and see a career specialist. The fourth element of a resilient leader is to be authentic. Now, there's some debate currently about just what authentic leadership looks like in the workplace. But I think when you're talking about a job interview, what the employer does when they're vetting a job candidate is they want somebody who is genuine and who is trustworthy. And if you're interviewing in Australia, we have two strong characteristics here that make your job more challenging. We do not find boasting and ambit claims about achievements and abilities at all appealing. And further, so that's the first challenge. The second challenge is we are experts at spotting a fake. So you must sell your authenticity and your leadership qualities in a subtle way. So tip number four is to sound likeable and normal in cover letters and interviews. In most instances, a prospective employer will assess your authenticity in a relatively formal way via your cover letter, your resume, and then the interview. There's usually a certain level of tension on both sides. You're anxious to get the job, to win the role, and the employer is anxious not to make a mistake. It's your job to not let this tension and the formality of the process interfere with an essential task to sound like a normal human being. When it comes to cover letters, Podcast 11 goes into it in great detail. Cover letters are a very nasty document, a very difficult document, and I can't do justice here talking about it with just a few words. So I think if you're interested, go and head over to that episode. The resume is a very formal document, so you can't really sound likeable and normal, I don't think, in a resume. That will give you the benefit of the doubt. There's no point an employer asking strangers to supply a written document and then proceed to disbelieve everything that's in the document. So you start with the default position that they're likely to believe what you've written. There must be internal consistency, but more to the point, when they meet you, what you have said about yourself in your resume needs to ring true. And I quite ruefully often give the example of myself. I have never met anybody who calls me gentle. People, they say I'm friendly, but they never say I'm gentle. Something obviously went wrong in my upbringing. So let's say I put gentle in my resume and then I go to an interview and any sensible person after interacting with me would say, hmm, she's not gentle. And the next step for them, the next logical step for them would be to think either wow, she's very lacking in self-awareness if she thinks she's gentle or she's a liar. And both of those, as you can imagine, is disastrous. When it comes to the interview, I have not yet done a podcast on interviews. I've just been shying away from it. It's such an important area and it's such a big area. I really don't know where to start. So sorry about that. You might have to go and read one of my blogs or one of my several blogs about interviews. And the last quality is that resilient leaders are resilient. We all know that people have often had to show resilience just to survive. 
I was fascinated to read a couple of years ago that two of my ancestors walked from Adelaide to the goldfields in Victoria in the 1860s. That's a distance of more than 600 kilometres. And apparently there were hardly any established stopping places along the way. And apparently that's why people say South Australians are called crow eaters because they had to eat crows along the way because there was nothing to eat. As an aside, one of my ancestors came back with 500 pounds, which at the time was a lot of money, and the other one came back with nothing. Another example from Australia was the terrible times in the 1930s when Australia was in the depths of the Great Depression and it was almost impossible for people to get a job. And you can see those photos and those paintings of the men carrying their swag behind them, their small amount of belongings wrapped in a bright cloth at the end of a stick and they would just walk and walk and walk until they got a job. If we fast forward to the 21st century, Ask yourself whether you're prepared to push the limits of your comfort zone and use unconventional job search methods to win your next job. Techniques like job search networking, which I've often talked about, and direct employer contact, i.e. cold calling, are the ultimate proof to a future employer that you have resilience. Do you have the intestinal fortitude to do either of those techniques? So the final tip, tip number five, Prove that you can do the tough stuff. If you send out resume after resume or put your hopes in the hands of a recruiter, you're stuck operating in what's called the visible job market. So it's the jobs where everybody knows those jobs are there and you're competing against lots of people for not many jobs. If you're resilient, you will avoid the visible job market and you will tackle finding jobs before they become visible, which of course is called the hidden job market. Job search networking as a technique is so important and so technical that I've actually done two separate podcasts on it. I wouldn't dare try to describe it here in just a few words. So again, if you're interested, head over. It's episodes two and three, and they'll tell you precisely what it's about and how to do it. When it comes to cold calls, I haven't done a podcast about them yet, and I probably won't, but I have written a blog that you'll find on the website. And basically, it's a cold call, which is usually preceded by a very, very clever letter and then a phone call. If it's a junior role, of course, just turning up works best. And I can remember coming out of uni, I wanted a waitressing job and I just started at Rundle Mall. Knock, knock, knock. Have you got a job for me? And by the time I got to the fourth place, I got my job. At a senior level, generally, the thinking is that that doesn't work that well. But just this week... A senior sales exec told me that he actually did cold calls. And what I mean by that is he would pop in to the office, the head office of his target corporate clients on the off chance that they were there and that they would see him. And now that is very brave. But by the way, this week, his CFO target was there and agreed to chat to him. So I think it is a case of fortune favoring the brave. Job search networking and cold calling require persistence and bravery. Have faith that these approaches work if you apply the technique correctly. What are we talking about here with resilient leadership? We're talking about people who are top of the tree. Resilience is often described as a personal quality that predisposes an individual to bounce back in the face of loss or difficulty. Modern management theory, however, says that resilient leaders do more than just bounce back. 
There's a very eloquent description by Reeves and Allison in 2009 and 2010. So I want to read it out to you. With speed and elegance, resilient leaders take action that responds to new and ever-changing realities, even as they maintain the essential operations of the organisations that they lead. If you have these magical qualities, it's critical that you provide proof positive at all stages of the job search process. There's always going to be many reasons why you might miss out on a desired leadership role. But for goodness sakes, make sure it's not because you just failed to provide evidence to your prospective employer. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you like what you've heard, I'd love it if you could share the podcast or leave a review. I'm doing a podcast every fortnight and next episode, I'm going to talk about a wonderful, relaxed and comfortable leader I know and suggest that you audit yourself against him. Remember, if you want to check what we've talked about, there are full show notes at careerconsult.com.au. There'll be lots of backup information and there'll be links to anything else I've talked about. So that's careerconsult.com.au. And I religiously, except at Christmas time, do a mail out once a fortnight. It'll be either a video, a blog or an infographic. If you're interested, contact the office or you'll find a sign up form on the website. Let's end with my wonderful hashtag. Hashtag, why not be happy at work?